And I remember I was on my way to New Orleans and I had a layover. I don't know what airport, some airport. And I had, I got a, I got a text message when I got off the plane saying the Forbes article is out. Oh my gosh. Like you're going to probably like, you know, something I probably can't say on the podcast. (laughs) Here's part two of JJ's story. If you haven't listened to part one, it's the last episode. Go check it out. We pick up today when she begins working at Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah, so um, I had an amazing <clears throat> opportunity to go and uh, go in-house and, and work. Um, and so I wasn't an operator. So no one in the VCs are really there. They, they like to, especially Andreessen's mo- Andreessen Horowitz's model was to take operators because they really wanted to build the network effect and have people in there who were operators so that they could give their portfolio companies real advice and real help and not just say, here's your funding and go figure it out. And we'll meet with you once every three months at the board meeting. But it's like, no, you need to, you need to go build out your executive team. Here's our talent team. You need to go um, build out your, you know, sales pipeline and and develop your markets and your ecosystem. Here's that team. Right. And so, so you know, we had a whole series of teams. Corporate development was another team like helping, you know, and so I was part of the market development team and, and I, um, I, so I wasn't in an operating CMO role, but I was basically a CMO that would work with their enterprise portfolio companies, because that that's really where my background is, enterprise portfolio companies on like all things marketing. And so this was, you know, technical founders were usually, was that, that was pretty much their model as they'd invest in technical founders. And most of the time, technical founders are not marketers. <laughs> and so it was, you know depending on the stage of where the company was at, you know, sometimes it was a lot of it was on messaging and positioning and, and, and help with that. But I mean, sometimes it was as fundamental as what is marketing and, and they weren't trying to be arrogant. They just didn't understand. They're like, sure. I'm, I have to go build out marketing and I'm being told I need to hire a head of marketing and I have no idea what marketing even is. And I'm so glad that people ask that. This is like, the dumb question that's not dumb that everybody needs to ask because we always say that the CMO is the, has the shortest tenure in the executive suite of every executive. I truly believe this is one of the reasons why is Mm -hmm. that people don't know how to hire for what they actually need in their head of marketing because they don't know what marketing is and what they need and therefore they mishire. Like I really think that's part of it. So my thing was if I could help, educate people on what marketing was, then I could help them make better decisions about how they invested their money in marketing, where they focus their energy and help them find the right head of marketing for what they actually need. And so, you know, that was, you know, a lot of my, so it was a very interesting and fantastic um, year. And at some point in my career, um, after my operating days are done, I would love to actually go back and yeah. do that role or role like that or work in a VC firm again, because I think it was like such a great role and I added a ton of value, but I, even knowing what I know now is now a three time CMO. Like even if I went back, that was six, or seven years ago, I'd be so much more valuable in that role. Right. Totally. Cause it's just, you get the experience and it's almost like you're imparting the wisdom. Yeah. And so, you know, but it was like, so working in the, that was, a, it was a really um, enriching uh, time. And I think even just working in a firm like that, the intellectual horsepower of that firm um, was like nothing I'd ever seen before. I mean, a lot of times, you know, if you're working in a really great company where you have like 
the majority of people are really smart, which is actually not the norm. Like everything in life is like a bell curve for the most yeah. part. You have some really, really smart people and the majority of people are probably somewhere in the middle average. Like this was everyone, this was the outlier. Like everyone there was like on the like outlier of its brilliance, <laughs> right? And um, and I remember we had this one, um, we had this one uh, all hands. There were about 75 people, I think, in the firm uh, when I was there and we had an all hands and, and Mark Andreessen came in and was talking and it was like just listening to him talk he like he knows so much about so much and it like usually you know a lot about a, a few topics that yeah. you're interested in right or you might know a little bit about a lot <laughs> but he knows a lot about a lot and he could just like you know talk about the future of like of you know currency and bitcoin this was like when bitcoin was was really like this was in 2014 so bitcoin and, and crypto yeah. was was like just like everybody was super like what is that <laughs> is it like a black market thing you know so there's a lot of education happening and he was a big believer in like what the like applicability of of micro you know currency um you know could you know could could do for like every industry and it's like you just listen to them talk and it's like, oh my gosh, the amount of, of knowledge in your head is staggering. And I'm thinking to myself, looking around the room going, this is something that most people who, who, who care about technology um, would like literally like die to be in this room right now. Right. <laughs> and like, I'm one of 75 people and I just, so, I felt so lucky. Yeah. Um, and you just, you know, the people that you get to meet and the, the intellectual conversations that you get to be part of um, as part of that was really just, you know, I'll never forget that experience. It was very short lived, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but fortunately, um, because uh, I went into their, I think it was their second largest enterprise investment at the time, Tanium. Um, so through my role of, mm. of working with portfolio companies, I got to know the Tanium team and, uh, they had this amazing technology and this amazing story that, that, you know, they would come in, we had a briefing center. So executives from fortune 500 companies will come in because when they do their Silicon Valley tour to go to all the big tech companies, now they start going to the VC firms because they want to see like, what's the next wave of innovation coming. Right. Sure. Um, not just how do I optimize my really big tech investments. Um, and so we would set them up with, in our companies, our portfolio that were relevant to what they, you know, what their goals were. And every time Tanium would get in front of one of their teams, it was like the jaws would drop. So like, excuse me, I saw their story, but I also saw how people who were potential customers reacted to their story mm. and reacted to their technology. And it was like, once I saw that, I was like, this is the best due diligence ever. I'm like, this is something special. <laughs> Just looking at how people were reacting to it. It was amazing. And so, um, they were they were looking for their first head of marketing, and I, um, a good friend of mine who worked at the firm, her name's Gia Gia Shinto. She ran uh, executive talent, so like I said, they have like different people and different yeah. roles for everything. And her job was executive talent for this the go to market hires, so sales marketing those kind of hires, and so she would work with the companies on helping to calibrate what are they looking for they you know she built the network of you know people who are you know good cmos and cro's and that in the industry and, and try to connect people and you know she's helping them and she usually would pull me into those meetings every so often because it would help to have like a cmo who you know to help kind of you know balance the conversation and so i went in the conversation and we were talking and we left 
the, the conversation and, and Gia said, you know, you just described yourself because we were talking about what they needed. She's like, you just described yourself. She's like, did you do that on purpose? And I, I actually didn't. I was like, no, I actually didn't. Like, I wish I was that smart. <laughs> and I was like, no, I think that's just what they really need. She goes, well, you just described yourself. Maybe you should go for it. And yeah. so there you go. The next thing you knew, I was joining Tanium so as you their leave, first marketer. So you leave yeah. The VC firm yeah. to one of their portfolio companies to now be their head of marketing. Is that correct? Correct. So while I wasn't working at Andreessen Horowitz, I was like a one one foot in, one foot out. I would say still, even though I was at Tanium, okay. um, I was still in the family. And um, and so when I say I was the first marketer, I was the first marketer. Like I, there was nothing. There was you know. So I'm I'm sitting here, like okay, now I'm employee number. So great story. I'm employee number ninety nine. Okay. So they had, they had, um, they had never set out to become a cybersecurity company, and yet their platform had a great applicability, great product market, perfect product market fit for threat hunting and incident response in cyber. And so they quickly, um, whether it was conscious or not, they got pulled into the cybersecurity world pretty quickly, and they they formed an OEM uh, relationship with uh, McAfee. And so when they decided to take their, uh, their, you know, go direct, so to speak, and they had to go build out a direct sales force, like the 50 or 60 McAfee salespeople, including their head of sales, the CRO of Tanium said, we're coming. So they all came from McAfee. So you have like 60, you know, engineers. And now you have probably like 50 or 60 salespeople. Of course, what do salespeople want? They want, you know, we need to sell this thing. What are we selling? Yeah. We need leads, you know, all that. And so I'm employee number 99, which I didn't realize at the time. But if you are a hockey fan, you will know whose number that is, is Wayne Gretzky. So okay. I didn't know that. And someone <laughs> gave me a, a jersey, a 99 jersey. And they're like, you know, you're like, you're the great, you're the goat. You're, like, you're Wayne Gretzky <laughs> of marketing. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, he was number 99. So yeah, yeah, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. Um, but what but, a compliment. Uh, it was a great compliment. And, um, and so here I am on this freight train that's like already moving and I'm like okay I'm I have to like I have to jump on the train it's not like I'm pushing the train the train's already going so I have to jump on the train and I have to build a plane while it's flying and any yeah. kind of other cliche and so <laughs> I'm like how do I do this really quickly and you know the the everyone's like well what did you do I'm like okay well the first thing I always so the first thing that I think we did really well is we had a really um really compelling point of view. And we came up with this 15 second visibility and control positioning. And it was so powerful because A, it was something new that people hadn't heard before in cyber, which is like, you know, of all the segments of tech, probably the most crowded, everyone sounds the same. And, but more importantly, it framed around the problem because the problem was speed and, or, or latency, whichever way you, you look at it, that if you needed to know what was happening on your network and what, what endpoints or what computers were potentially compromised by a, a security threat, you couldn't wait days or weeks because it's like someone breaking in your house. Like if your alarm system yeah. goes off and you like can't figure out what's going on for a week, they've already come in and stolen everything and gone out the, totally. the back door. And so this was like in 50, you, you, they changed the paradigm from days to weeks down to seconds. So like in seconds, you could like wow. 
you could you could query and it doesn't matter if you had millions of they call them endpoints like think of them as like your computers right or your servers okay. millions of endpoints doesn't matter where they were in the world and you could quickly understand like you ask a question like google search like you know to see you know what machines have this like profile or you know what machines are have this version of software running if you know it's vulnerable and you get the answer back in seconds and then you can actually do something about it so like they have, they have these great LifeLock commercials. Like, have you seen Norton LifeLock where they have these oh, yeah. awesome commercials where like, they don't just like the dentist, like they don't just like leave you with like, you know, you're like, they tell you, you have to get a root canal and like leave you in the chair. They actually <laughs> fix it. They, there was, those are very clever by the way, but there yeah. was a lot of applicability to what Tanium did in the sense of it didn't just tell you where you had a problem. It actually like allowed you to, to fix it. Right. Gotcha. And, um, and so it was like, so it was, so the point of view was framed around the problem of speed and it was quantified. So you, you like had, it was clear that like the problem was it takes days or weeks, we take it down to seconds and then it's also quantified. So it's like, now you've put everyone else on the defensive, like, well, well how fast do you do it? And so yeah. then you started to have these like companies come out like two second, four second. Everyone was like, you know, it was like <laughs> this like auction of like how many seconds? I mean, yeah. and you know, but they couldn't do it at scale and it was all just kind of like, you know, marketing Totally. plagiarism <laughs> right so it, it but it was really effective and that was i think the first thing of like building a category in general is just like having a strong point of view and knowing what problem you're solving is like the core to any good marketing whether you're building totally. a category or just having a point of view yeah and you guys had a pretty interesting experience happen with a a for forbes article article is that correct am i remembering that correctly yeah, yeah. tell me that story so the, yeah. So the other, the other thing I did right away is I, is we hired an amazing PR agency and PR team. And I said, we need to, now that we actually have a point of view, so people know it is what, what it is that we're doing and what we do and the problem we solve, we need to get this story out there. And so they were just amazing at, um, you know, at, at getting us the right, like punching above our weight and getting us the right placements because security is all about FOMO. Like no CISO yeah. wants to be the one who's not using the new shiny thing. And they're all asking their peers, like, what do you, what do you do? What tools do you have? And so, and it's like, you don't want to be the one that's left out. So when, when Tanium started to get some real traction, like no one wanted to not have, everyone wanted to have, everyone needed Tanium, you know? And, um, and so what we did is, and, and also the, the, the story of Tanium wasn't just about the technology. It was about a father and son. And it is about a father and son and um, a father and son founding team. And so the, there was just a, a kind of a human interest element to it too. And so um, uh, we landed a fantastic profile in Forbes and uh, I didn't know how long it was going to be. I knew that they like in terms of like the length or where it was going to be in, in the, in the, the magazine. And uh, uh, it was profiling the story of the company and the founding story and the father and son and the technology and what it does. And they interviewed some customers and all that. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was on my way to New Orleans and I had a layover. I don't know what airport, <coughs> some airport. And I had, I got a, I got a text message when I got off the plane saying the Forbes article is out. Oh my gosh. Like you're going to probably like, you know, something I probably can't say on the podcast. <laughs> and so I went to I went to the newsstand and I got the Forbes magazine and I opened it up like I'm in the like Hudson News or yeah. whatever and, and I'm I'm reading the I'm going and flipping through and flipping through and I see it and I thought it was just going to be like one two pages mm -hmm. I'm flipping I'm flipping I'm flipping it was like eight it might have been 
it was probably a good eight pages. It was wow. an unbelievable article. And it, that was the moment I bought every magazine. I bought, <laughs> <laughs> I bought every magazine on the stand. I probably should have left it for other people so they could read it. But I, 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 I bought every magazine on the stand. And then I said, this is the moment. Like I just knew, I said, everything's going to yeah. change. And, um, and it was, I mean, and it, and it did. And, you know, having, it's like having the, the, the press like that, the PR, when it works, it really works. Totally. I mean, you know, I think, I think PR can be a tactical thing if you only think about it of like, we're going to issue a bunch of press releases, but leveraging the media and working with the media and getting your story out through the media in the right way is game changing. And I would always tell people, spend the time on strategic communications and strategic PR as early as you can, because it will make all the difference in helping you set the right tone in the mm. market. And we actually took, um, we actually took that article and we created, a, we worked with Forbes and they gave us just that article in like a mini magazine and we oh, created cool. a direct mail piece out of it and we shipped it to like every CISO, uh, uh, probably every company on the planet. And, um, you know, we got so many meetings off of that. Cause I mean, so you're going to read, you're reading this. Yeah, totally. It's like the, the simple things, you know, yeah. and it, but that, you know, <clears throat> when something works, leverage it for every mile you can get and <laughs> every yeah. inch you can get out of it. Totally. Um, that's but it, so it did, cool. it changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Such an awesome story. And, and to be able to get that type of coverage is almost unprecedented. I feel like so great work on your PR team and, <laughs> and getting that done. That's great. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so JJ, just kind of in our last couple of minutes, I, I'm curious, you, you leave Tanium after a couple of years and I'm curious how you got introduced to Tenable, which is where you're at now. Another kind of startup, you know, Tanium, you were there pretty early. Um, Tenable's still pretty early, but have been having a ton of success. I'm curious how you got introduced to them and, and why they were the right fit for you. Yeah. So, um, so the, the, I actually, I, I made a very interesting and and uh, interesting isn't even the right word a a very um, uh, educational uh, pit stop between Tanium and Tenable, which I know you know these guys play yeah, bigger play bigger and so um, Dave Peterson now <clears throat> comes back into the equation uh, and so the the there were three guys and they wrote a book literally they wrote the book on category design it's called Play Bigger I it's a great easy I've read it. It's awesome. I know you've read it. It's, it's really, it's great. Right. And you'll learn something and you'll be entertained. I, I promise you. Um, and they would go and, um, they are also advisors. So they go in and not just do like marketing positioning work. They do company, as you know, right. They do company strategy work. And this is really about getting the entire executive team from the CEO down on a decision and aligned around what is the category and it yeah. aligns your product strategy or company strategy and everything. So I'm getting to tenable in a second because this was really important because it actually gave me the playbook of category design. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I got the category design playbook and I, I worked on a couple of engagements with them and kind of saw the process from soup to nuts. And then I, I met tenable through um, one of my uh, VC firm, connections. So their talent team said, Hey, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, this company Tenable. They're a really nice company. Nice. They're a really nice company. They're out of, out, out of Maryland. Um, and their CEO is just an animal. He was, you know, multiple time entrepreneur, president of RSA cyber, you know, created the incident response team in the department of Homeland wow. security, like just like oozing credibility and a wonderful human being, by the way, as well. I meet your Um, 
He's like, just talk to him. I know he needs, he's going to hire a CMO. He just started. He's going to hire a CMO. I don't know what his timing is. This was like end of January. So I get on a Zoom with a meet. Now we're at the, like, the beginning of February in 2017. And I'm like, it's like, I just knew. I got on the phone with him. I'm like, this is a guy that like is super smart, super credible, nicest guy, um, someone you want to work with, yeah. you know, someone who you like trust in the CEO and especially the CEO CMO relationship is so huge. And I said, I, like, I just knew, like I had this one 30 minute phone call with him. I'm like, I know this is the company. And it w- it just so happened that it was like the week before RSA, which is the big security show in San Francisco. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, we're coming out to RSA next week. Why don't you meet the rest of the executive team? And so I met the whole team. And as I'm talking to one of the founders, he was like, yeah, you know, we had this company, these guys that we met with, we really needed, we really needed to do category design. They were like, play bigger. I started laughing. I'm like, you're joking, right? So not only did, like, so one of the things the company really did need was repositioning and building a, a bigger category on top of their, the, the core market that the company's in called vulnerability management. And, but it wasn't even just that the company needed it. They actually brought play bigger in, um, to hopefully work with them and play bigger at the time, very wisely said, yeah, you need it, but you're not ready because mm. you don't have the right CEO. You don't even have a CMO who's going to drive this thing. And so there was already like, a, there was already a spirit of like, yes, we want to do this. And so yeah. I was able to apply everything I'd learned the previous, you know, six months and, and before to, to Tenable and help build the, the, the category. So it was, it was, you know, the CEO and the team, and a really good company, which I always say has a really good soul. It really does. Like the company not being in the Silicon Valley, based in the Silicon Valley, there's probably some drawbacks, but one of the, the advantages is this company is, is really nice. <laughs> there's not a lot of ego. And, <laughs> and the company really cares. You know, they care yeah. about their customers and they care about doing the right thing. Um, not that you don't if you're in the Silicon Valley, but I think people know what I mean. <laughs> it's not that level of arrogance sometimes. And, yeah. and so- um, you know, there was, there was that, like the culture and the people and the, the team and, and Amit, um, there was the opportunity to go build a category. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but um, it was, the, it was, you know, we built the category. We wound up going public around that story. And, and people always say, well, an IPO is a financial event. I'm like, yeah, that's, it's a financial event. That's what it is. But, but like why people should care and why people should invest is your story. Yeah. And and I was not just like writing, drawing the artwork for the front cover of the S1. Like I led the team that, like I led the 70 banker lawyer pe- team that actually wow. drafted the business section and it was around the category story. And that's a, that was a, you know, watching all of that come to life in the IPO. Like that was what it was most um, rewarding for me. Not the fact that we went public, even though that was great too. Sure. Um, but like it was seeing the story and like literally some of the words I wrote going in the S1. Um, wow. And the, that's so cool. It, it was just really fantastic. And it's, you know, it's been a wonderful experience. You know, it's a, it was a completely different situation from Tanium where, you know, I went in and I had to build from a literally a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. Um, Tenable was already a 15 year old company um, that, you know, I helped transform and modernize is what I'd say. Had a great um, beloved product with a, with a really 
advocate community that needed to um, move up to being more of an enterprise platform company um, and enterprise security technology um, and help drive that transformation and, and evolution. So, I mean, they're very different um, experiences, but it, you know, all three of my CMO roles actually were very different, um, but all have taught me something along the way. You know, don't be afraid to ask the questions that you know you might think that they're dumb but they're not dumb and they're probably the questions everybody else is thinking too like yeah. be curious don't be afraid um take the opportunity when it's given to you uh you know move into the corner office <laughs> within <laughs> the first week <laughs> assume really more really assume the role that's jennifer johnson three-time cmo at some of the most technical companies in silicon valley thanks for listening I'm Braden Anderson, and this is The Early Years.